The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man whose sex tape is just a video of him trying to find the end of a roll of scotch tape. <laughs> I didn't know where he was going. I was trying to find the end. <laughs> Apparently, you've been watching me try to unroll that damn Dollar General postal tape. <laughs> oh, yeah. But trust me, there's a lot of dirty talking with it. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Probably could hear it from here. That's the outer space. Woo, yeah. That stuff. Stay away from that stuff. Uh, what's going on, dude? It's no bueno. What's going on, man? Uh, ready to record an episode? Yeah, I hope so. It's been a long day. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, it's been a long week. Yeah. It has. It's been rough. You got any shout-outs for us? Uh, we got one couple here. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe more than one. Uh, we got a shout-out to Gwen for giving us an idea to do the show we're going to do today. Appreciate the cool recommendation on uh, the subject we will cover today. And I want to give a shout-out to, uh, to Melissa for the incredible, incredible interview we had last week. Thank you, Melissa. That was awesome. And uh, shout out to Kim Poole for being such a an awesome fan and doing all the work you're doing to help us out. And, Above and beyond, I'm oh, telling you. Yeah, I'm telling you. Way. And uh, shout out to Angie out in Texas. We, uh, we've been thinking about you buried in the snow and froze up and all that mess, and we hope you're all right. And just thinking a few more months, you'll be complaining about the heat. And you have flies and stuff. Yeah, flies and skeeters <laughs> and gnats and bugs and all that good stuff. Snakes. I guess y'all got armadillos out there. Armadillos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Armadillers. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they have in Texas. Oh, we, yeah. have, we have possums out here. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, naked armadillers. Yeah, and skunk. <laughs> yeah, it must be skunk breeding uh, season right now. I hate a skunk. God, I'm scared to let the dogs out. They Where come. They, they come back with all that perfume. It's not good. It and it's happened before. It ain't good at all. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you, Gwen, for giving us such today. Today we are going to cover. Yep. We are going to cover Brenda and Spencer. Yep. And if anybody don't know who Brenda Ann Spencer is, uh, just a little bit of background on her. She was born on April 3rd, 1962 in San Diego, California. San Diego. Yep. To parents Wallace Spencer and Dot Spencer. By all accounts, Brenda, when she was younger, she had a pretty decent childhood. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Involved in a lot of sports she was doing photography, a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, she was like into softball and golf stuff. You know, her dad was into, what was he was, a, he was an audiovisual specialist. Right. Something and like that. So he was doing that, and her mom was going to school to be an accountant. And when she got that going on, she'd done some accounting for a lot of big firms, including the one with the, the golf. And yeah, the Andy Williams golf tournament. Right. So she had them all into golf and stuff and then playing the junior golf tournaments. And she was competing pretty high, pretty high level on those. Yeah, for, so. for the younger groups, yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a pretty good, pretty good childhood. I mean, yeah. just going back to that, she did. She was until uh, her parents split up. Well, Wallace, he got a drinking problem. You know, he started drinking a lot, and nobody really knew it except for their mom. 
And then uh, I think he started messing around while he started drinking. And then he came yeah. home with a weird proposal once. Yeah, he had a weird weird plan. <laughs> he <laughs> he wanted to... He uh, wanted to take a year off. Yeah, take a year off from the marriage and be allowed to come back after yeah. a year. Yeah, he wanted to go and uh, have a bachelor pad for about a year and do what he wanted to do. And and uh, he asked Dottie, reckon that'd be all right. Yeah, I mean, that, that takes some balls right there, man. <laughs> what did Dot say? No. She went and filed for divorce the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it didn't work out too good. No, uh, no. But uh, he ended up with custody of Brenda and her two older siblings. Right. She had an older sister named Teresa and an older brother named Scott. Yeah, it's kind of weird that the, that the father gets custody, but what had happened is the judge had asked the older kids who they would rather stay with, and they picked the, the dad. So he didn't want to break up the, the all the kids, so all of them got uh, sent to uh, Wallace. Yep, and there's not much detail on the older kids at all. I mean, no. there's we'll refer to them a little bit, but there's not much information on them. But, you know, like I said, our story is on, on Brenda and what she did and everything. And it's going to be a pretty interesting story the more we get into it. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it was even reported at one time during her childhood she was in a bicycle accident. Smashed her head into a pole or something. Pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. And said she had blacked out and was kind of loopy, next yeah, loopy and woozy for a few days. Right. That's been a hell of a pole. Yeah. And it had been reported that her mom didn't want to take her to the hospital and her sister her older sister said that she they don't know if they took she took her or not well she said she's going to but nobody ever knows if, yeah. if they went as far as we know but anyway the next few days brenda seemed to be back to herself right brenda had a fancy for shooting guns yeah well you know when uh they split up her dad he bought a house about 12 blocks from where they lived and then so I guess the older two kids were doing stuff, so him and her would go do some stuff, and he liked target shooting, and she she fell right in because she was really good at it. Good. She would go out and shoot a BB gun, and she was really good at it. Yeah, he bought a house in the San Carlos neighborhood of San Diego, California. Right. Yeah. And this was um, 6356 Lake Atlin Avenue. Correct. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's like a three-bedroom house, one-and-a-half bath, just a small, I think a little over a 1,000-square-feet house. Something like that. Yep. Yeah, and I actually looked up this house a little bit ago before we got started on this episode, and Dale, this house is not very big, but it's valued at six hundred and eighty thousand dollars today. Crazy, yeah. And it's just packed in on top of house on top. Oh, well, of house just, you can house. you can literally stick your hand out your window and shake your next door neighbor's hand. Yeah, it's just that tight. <laughs> it's like point twelve acres. Wow. Yeah, just a little over a tenth of an acre. <laughs> Nothing like here, is it? No, uh-uh. no, no. third sprawling mountain yeah views we have here and stuff yeah that's right but anyway her and her dad they had a lot of hobbies together you know and also photography was one and he would take her to zoos and out to the to the woods and stuff and for photography and then they would go out in the desert and stuff and shoot a lot i think they would go out there with uh they had some friends that lived close to the mexican border and they went down there it was a desert area hmm. and they would go down there and shoot it targets and cans and things and brenda actually got pretty good at shooting really good she was actually better than her dad's what yep. had been reported yep even her dad's friends they all said they were pretty, almost expert marksmen and she was better than they were yep now it'd been reported too that in her younger childhood she'd had a a neighbor friend i think his name was brent fleming and he wasn't too cool of a guy i don't think 
They'd even said if uh, the devil had shown up, it'd look just like Brent. Right. He was a couple years younger than her. But still mean as a snake, they said. Right. And doing all kinds of things. And there was one time that they got in trouble for shoplifting. Well, he got in trouble for shoplifting. She was outside. She was an accessory. (laughs) But when he come outside, he goes, "Uh, she's with me. So he he kind of shit her on that one. Yeah. Threw her under the bus with him. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another time when when they were, Brenda was living at this uh, Lake Atlin house. The, the school across the road, it was Grover Cleveland Elementary School, which is going, we're going to talk about a little bit later too. But I think he had went there earlier and busted out some windows. Yeah. And he took Brenda over there, and they went over, done some vandalism and different things. And I think she had even shot it up with a BB gun. Yeah. Shot some windows out and done some damage that way. And I, she got in trouble for we that. got in trouble for that too. Yeah. So I think, you know, after a couple of these incidents, her dad told her he didn't want her hanging around with him no more. Yeah, but Brenda's, I think she was the type that was more of a follower than a leader. Anybody that, you know, that she seemed impressed by, she would just sort of right fall into their wings. And well, do- she was a, more of an introvert. She didn't she didn't do much of nothing, really. She didn't have a lot of friends. And, you know, so she just come home and I guess somebody would take up to her and then she was just going to follow right along. Yep. And, and really a, a tomboy yeah. type. Real skinny, and she had bright red hair. So, just to, if anybody wants to look Brenda up while we're talking about this, just go ahead and look her up. Check her out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, quite an introvert, no doubt. And shortly after they got busted for this school vandalism, I think Brent moved away. Yeah, and uh, Brenda's dad was pretty happy about <laughs> him, about them him leaving. Away. Yeah. yeah. Because her, her grades in school started improving, her attitude improved. and Yeah, a lot of things changed. Yeah, she yeah. seemed just to be a, a more of a well-rounded kid. Right. Yeah. She liked to hang out in her, in her house and jam the records and do her stuff. Yeah, and she liked rock and roll. She liked Alice Cooper. She liked... She liked Kiss. Liked, uh, there were several other bands that were mentioned um, that she liked. But I think uh, her and... Uh, Brent Fleming. Yeah, they always listened to uh, Alice Cooper's killer album. Yeah. It was big on the Dead Baby stuff and uh, and then uh, Kiss Records and stuff like that. Then I think after, uh, for so long, you know, she started uh, getting a little depressed. Yeah. And uh, so she was seeing a counselor at school and some other stuff. And I don't know if it's just because her buddy had moved away or just other things, other things happening in general, you know, because she, she started bragging to uh, her friends that she was doing drugs and she was always on some kind of hard drugs and she was like doing heroin and this and that and the other. But well, I think most of that was just big, I think it was big just talk. talk. Yeah. And she got to talking about how she, she hated cops. Yeah. Anybody in authority, she hated. Yeah, and said you know one of her favorite her favorite TV shows was SWAT. You know, but they always pulled against the <laughs> against the cops. Yeah, and, hoping the cops would get shot. Yeah, and, and her and Brent always talk about taking out the pigs. You know, and that was a back in those days, pigs was just another word, for, a slang word for cops. You know, and his stepdad was a cop, so he probably had a little hatred going on for that. So probably that was probably where all that came from. But uh, after you know um, the counselor, she talked to him them or her them whatever and uh they advised her to see a psychiatrist yeah they knew they was, she had some stuff messed up there's some deep stuff going yeah. on here yeah and so she went and talked to them gave them a couple of pages of notes and stuff and they basically just said keep seeing the counselor mm-hmm. so it wasn't a you know like a big deal but it was yeah so uh, i think they even pushed her dad to, to do a little more but he kind of just swept it under the rug. It's basically like he didn't want to see it. Yeah, because her dad was still drinking and stuff, and he, you know, he was working. He didn't really single dad. He didn't really care. Right. 
you know what his kids done so after a time being her, her buddy would uh call some and then one day he asked if uh he could come down and see her wallace thought man what the hell she's been doing pretty well you know and she's been feeling bad so maybe he, he would let brent come down and uh so brent rode his bicycle an hour down, yeah down to come and hang out for the day that's dedication right there yeah so they come down hang out for a while and then they went out and done some stuff and then came back and said they'd sit around and listen to alice cooper's billion dollar babies album for a while and then he made the trek back home yep hour back yeah my bicycle that's a long damn ride yeah just to listen to alice cooper yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because they weren't romantic they were just but they were just friends yeah they were just really good friends okay yeah he'd come down on a weekend i think it was a saturday or something yep and uh i guess you got to talking big again and she mentioned to brent that uh she was going to do something big monday right but you know he said also said that uh, they always had these these weird plans they would make you know and even one of her girlfriends had mentioned that they'd done the same thing that they would always talk about how they were gonna um take out a pig you know and how they were gonna do it they would egg his car or something and make him chase him in the bathroom and then kill him with an axe and yeah or a sniper or whatever it was just always talk but then this time i might have been a little bit different yep and like i said brenda was very influential as far as you know people influencing her yes exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, easily influenced. That's what All I meant right. to say. Yeah. yeah. And Dale, it was in 1978. This was Christmas. Uh, Brenda's dad, Wallace, gave her a Ruger 22 semi-automatic caliber rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition for Christmas. So, you know, she was into shooting, target practice, and all this stuff. So that was a pretty big deal. She had asked for a radio that year. <laughs> I've heard both ways where she begged to have a rifle and then she begged to have a radio. So I guess we don't really know what the hell happened, but she got a, she got a rifle for Christmas. Yep. The Ruger. <laughs> now we're going to get to the crux of this story, Dale, and why we're talking about Brenda Spencer today. Right. And this was on a Monday morning, January 29th, 1979. This is the day that she told Brent Fleming that something big was going to happen. Right. She's going to do something big. And she had asked her dad, well, she didn't really ask him. She told him that she wasn't feeling well that day. Right. So she had always had a problem, like, with a, with a period being some really severe cramps and having to even stay in the bathtub all day long sometimes. So Especially the first couple of days. Yeah. So he said that, uh, he had got up to go in there and uh, wake her up to go for school. And uh, to his surprise, she was already up and dressed. Mm-hmm. But she she told him she wasn't feeling well and wanted to know if she could stay home that day because she was cramping up and just didn't feel good. Yep. And he said, sure. So he left and went to work. Yep. And Brenda stayed at home that day. Yep. And this was when she busted out the window. Yeah, it was uh, it was on those front doors where, you know, it's wood at the bottom and the top has got, you know, several small panes of glass. Yeah. And she busted out two of the lower ones right at the, where the wood went into glass. Yep. Yeah. And she just, um, she busted them out with the butt of a rifle. Yep. And started shooting. Yep. Now this is uh, about eight thirty in the morning, and we did say it was an elementary school right across the street. Yep. And if anybody wants to look this up, this is uh, her address was sixty three fifty six Lake Atlin Avenue, and this is in San Diego. So you can look at Google Earth today and see what it looks like. But right across the road now, there are houses. Yeah. But then there were it was an elementary school. So basically, what was going on is uh, parents were pulling up with their kids and uh, starting to drop them off. And they were waiting for the principal to come out and unlock the gate. So they were lining up at the gate, getting ready to go into school. So kids were just 
congregating. Yeah, coming to the school, I guess some kids walk there. Yeah, probably. some kids being dropped off because it's a lot. You know, a little like you said, those you know houses are all tight there. So I think this was a pretty small school. It wasn't like three hundred. Yeah, three hundred students. Yeah, and that was just a K through sixth grade. Yeah, 13, that's, thirteen teachers. So that's still small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little uh, neighborhood school, I guess. Right. Yep. But uh, anyway, Brenda started shooting. Yep. Yeah, she just went ahead and started shooting. You know, and it's, you know, just so you know, you know, we're, we're talking about shooting kids. So if it's something you don't want to listen to, then we understand. So, but anyway, um, right off the bat, she just starts popping and popping rounds off. In the first couple of shots, she shot a nine-year-old. Well, they thought they were firecrackers at first, didn't they? Yeah, firecrackers are, you know, it's always the backfiring car that nobody yeah. ever hears now then. But I guess in 79 or late days, there's always backfiring cars because you always hear that. Oh, yeah. But anyway, like the first couple shots, she hit a nine-year-old girl named Monica Selvig and shot her in the side. And she shot an, an uh, eight-year-old named uh, Mary Clark who was shot uh, in the abdomen. And she kind of really freaked her out. So she just kind of got up and... She, she it, it knocked her down, and she got up and, and went to class. Yeah, and sat down because she was freaked out and didn't want to say nothing. She didn't know if she should tell or not. Didn't know what was going on. I think she was too scared to tell anybody. Yeah, and then and also the next job round was an eight year old um, Craig uh, Vernon who was a uh, shot in the in the butt. So looks to me right now she's she's shooting, but she ain't shooting to kill. Now she's mm. I mean still shooting so. Now, maybe she is, maybe she ain't, but, you know, it was really put over how good a shot she was. So, you yeah. know, you know we, don't, we don't really know what's going on here. And then, you know, subsequently, she, uh, an eight-year-old named uh, Crystal Hardy was shot in the wrist, and it just kind of went straight through her wrist. And then uh, a seven-year-old, uh, Audrey Sykes, was shot in the elbow and just basically just started walking in circles because it just basically put her in shock. She didn't really know what day was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's about... Before, you know, right in here somewhere is when the principal heard what was going on and uh, jumped out and ran outside. His name was Principal Rag, and he was 53 at the time. Yeah, Burton Rag. He was a World War II veteran. And uh, bad thing is, man, he was he only been working there a couple months. He, the guy retired the year before, so this is January, so I guess he started probably in August or whatever yeah. it is. And he went running out there to help um, Monica, the, the first girl who was killed, or not killed, but shot. Um, and went out there, and uh, he was shot in the chest, mm-hmm. and uh, he went down, and they said the bullet lodged right near his heart. And so while this is going on, she's a uh, bullets are still flying everywhere, shooting out windows. You know, don't forget she's at seven hundred rounds now. Yeah. They said the rifle only holds uh, uh, she had, t- ten shells in yeah. her in her magazine or whatever, so she would have to shoot ten and then reload and shoot ten and reload. But mm-hmm. I'm sure she was pretty pretty good at that too yeah she had a lot of practice reloading that right thing. and then uh once they seen the principals down you know another guy daryl barnes had run out and saw him and, and kind of freaked out when he seen the blood coming out of his chest because then they knew what was going on or mm-hmm. kind of knew what was going on they didn't know where it was coming from but they knew what was, something was going on so and he ran over and grabbed a girl and took her inside and as he went in i think that's when uh the custodian uh mike sukar Yep. He was uh, also a World War II veteran and a Korean War veteran. He was uh, 56. He he grabbed a blanket because he knew that uh, uh, Mr. Rag was probably going into shock if he was still alive. So he took a blanket and run out. When he did, he was shot in the back and uh, took him down. Yep. So right now we got kids laying around. We got adults laying around. What's going on? And uh, 
that Daryl Barnes had screamed them, you know, for them to call the EMTs, or I mean, call the uh, call the cops. And this is uh, what's they started at eight thirty, so the cops don't get here till it was about fifteen minutes. Wasn't yeah, it? close to nine o'clock probably. Right. So by this time, he's already shot Julie uh, Robel in the side, and Christy Buell was shot, and Charles Miller was shot in the back, and it went. Out his out to his chest. Yeah, it almost killed him. It was about an inch from his heart, I think it was. Yep. And uh, so, in about when the cops finally got there, it was uh, Robert Robb and his partner Dennis. What was his name? Dormus. Yeah. Does that sound right? But uh, Robert was fresh out of academy, and he went out there and jumped out and tried to help the principal. And when he did, he was helping them. Well, actually, when when they pulled up, EMT rolled up right behind them. So I guess they got the call at the same time. Yeah. And so he was run over to the principal was and went to help uh, paramedics load him up. And all this time, bullets are still flying. And uh, so he's helping him load, and he feels uh, a shot shoot off of his bulletproof vest. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh shit!" So he 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 helps him load him up and put him in the in the ambulance. And then after he, he gets that done, he starts feeling a tingle in, in his in his arm and in his hand. Don't know what's going on. And then figured out that what happened is that bullet ricocheted off of his vest. It went through his neck. Yeah, went and lodged what like an eighth of an inch from his spine. So I guess it was kind of like a paralysis kind of setting in. Yeah, I guess adrenaline was pumping so hard at first. So but then, I guess he went down. Yeah, he went down. So after this, she's still shooting. And the bad thing about this, Donnie, is you know. Uh, bullets are flying everywhere, and one that hit, either hit the fire alarm or they had set the fire alarm off. And, well, I, and I believe she probably hit that on purpose. I think so too. Yeah. Somebody said it was just a random shot, but I don't think so. She was such a good shot. But what happened is, so now the kids—you got to think that the kids are still getting dropped off. It's still early. Nobody knows what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And the kids are flipping out because the fire alarm is going off. So they don't know if they should go in the building because the fire alarm's going off, and they can't stay outside because somebody's shooting. So it's yeah. just a, a big old cluster going on out there, and it's really, really scary. It's yeah. be. One little story about this, um, the Mary Clark. I think she was one of the first victims hit. Her sister, she was a little bit older, was walking her to school that morning, and she said Mary had gotten a, a little bit ahead of her, and Mary had gotten on into the school, and when she got shot, there was a, an adult there at the gate and turned her sister Linda back around to her to go back home right she was running just late enough yeah not to be in the crossfire right it's crazy yeah so uh after all this is going on you know she's continuing to fire and eventually they would find out that she's she fired like 350 rounds yeah so, so they'll just tell you how many how many bullets are whizzing by these people out there trying to help other people and it's just going crazy and uh, there was a, a security guard and i think another police officer had noticed that the trash truck was making his rounds down that street so they had an idea they're so, going to commandeer that trash truck. Right. So they run down there and commandeer the trash truck and then pull it up, jump the curb, and up on the thing and into the bushes between the house and the school. Yeah. Uh, essentially blocking off any gunfire. Yeah. So she just started shooting the truck a lot, you know, because I guess because she was pissed off. But nobody else got hurt. He uh, climbed out the passenger side and eventually saved a lot of lives. Oh, yeah. So so now we got to, she's got to, you know, blocked off with the trash truck. So eventually we're going to have over 100 cops show up, you know, and 30 different cop cars and 20 SWAT team members are, are coming in. Trying to figure out where this, the shots are coming from. Right. And, you know, they said that uh, there were some, porter, or some reporters down at the police station. And when they heard it start going on, they told them to see if they could find out what's going on. So what they did is they all started calling phone numbers of people's 
they were looking up people's names who lived on that street. Yeah, right near the right near the school. Yeah, just to call see if I could figure out what the heck's going on. And as luck would have it, the first number the guy dials is Brenda's phone number. And yeah, she, she answers the phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. And uh, basically, he goes, you know, guess uh, what's going on? You know, and she gives her her name and her uh, her age. And he asks, oh, can, do you know what's going on? Did you see it? And she goes, oh, yeah, I saw the whole thing. He goes, oh, really? So he's thinking he's got a, you a, know, scoop. a, a scoop here. Yeah. And she goes, oh, yeah. And he asked her something else. And she goes, uh, no, she hung up on him. And she, they call back. And he goes, well, wait, so-and-so, you know, whatever. i tell you where the shots are coming from. They're coming from, and she gave him the address. And he goes, well, wait a minute, isn't that your address? And he goes, yeah, well, who do you think she's doing the shooting? And hung yeah. up on him again. So – it's pretty damn weird here. And then they asked her, "Tell us why you're shooting." Yeah, and what she said. And that's when she said, "I don't like Mondays." Yep. This livens up the day. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. And then she said something about she had uh, taken some downers and smoked some pot, and I think she was talking big too. Yeah, and drank some whiskey and all this mess. But yeah, I don't think they, which you know even later they checked her and everything come out negative. So mm. I don't think she was doing anything. I think she just. They said she didn't have anything in her system. No, after she was apprehended. Right, but it was uh, it was several hours went by, almost six hours before they was able to get in there and get her. Yeah, um, you know they they kept calling back and talked to her, and then finally they told the, the reporter, "Don't call anymore. We want to call." So you know with the SWAT thing going on, and she knew how everything worked, or just from you know SWAT was her best, her favorite TV show. So. Uh, they uh, pretty much surrounded the house, and then she would tell them, you know, you need to back off. You're about to piss me off. I'm going to start shooting. And I know I got me a pig. Yeah. And that was her thing. I know because she'd shot that one police officer in the, in the chest or in the, in the vest, rather. And uh, I think uh, he tried to get her to give up, and she never – well, first first he was trying to get a hold of her, and then he couldn't get a hold of her for like three hours. Yeah. And they was like beginning to wonder, did she run out the back? Did she get away? They don't know what's going on. Because mm-hmm. they never really could see her. And they couldn't – in the way the house is, the garage sticks out farther than the front door. So they couldn't really get where they could get a good shot without being directly in the line of fire, yeah. you know, to, to take her out. So they begin to wonder what happened, and finally she answered the phone after three hours, and nobody knows really what she was doing during those three hours. And no, they don't. And uh, he asked her, you know, if she needed anything, and she said she'd like to have a big, or uh, she'd like to have a Whopper from Burger King. Yeah. And she was promised a a big key, a Burger King meal. Yeah, pretty much. And said, you know, I'll get that for you if you if whenever you give up, you know. And she kept on and. She was like, she'd, she'd kind of want to give up, and then she'd back off. And then finally she's like, you know, um, she says, well, I'll think about it. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll call you back in 20 minutes and get your answer. So now he's thought he'd already broke her down far enough she was going to give up. So he called back in 20 minutes, and she said, no, nah, I don't think so. I think I'm going to get my gun and start shooting some more. Yeah. And then she'd also told the police negotiators that the children and adults were easy targets. Yeah, like shooting ducks on the pond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think when, you know, he, when he called back and she said, you know, no, I'm gonna, but she never did shoot anymore, you know, after that, after the first thing to put the trash truck out, and she never shot another shot after that, so we don't really know what was going on, but when, you know, when a reporter called her, she was wanting to know if, if, if this was going to be, or for a newspaper story, she was wanting to be famous. Yeah, that you was know? her thing. Yeah, and, and she was asking the police negotiator, you know, as the TV crews out here, or if you come and get me, are you going to take me in handcuffs? Because she wanted, just like it was on TV, that's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So eventually, he talked her into uh, giving up her guns. 
Well, when the way she done that, you know, she, I know we didn't say nothing about earlier, but she was big in, into animals and pets and stuff. And I think at this time she had a dog and she had a rat and a snake as pets. And she kept, you know, was telling the, um, the negotiator, you need to tell the swab the guys to get back before I start shooting. Cause I know if I shoot, I seen on TV that they'll shoot back and they don't miss. Mm-hmm. And maybe was she was, was she wanting them to, to kill her or was she just talking more mess, you know? Yeah. So, uh, he said, well, I wouldn't do that because I don't know, you know, I won't be able to stop on anything if you start doing that. She said, but I think you need to think about giving up because uh, the SWAT guy is going to shoot in some tear gas, and that's really going to hurt your animals. Yeah. And that's when it kind of hit her in your soft spot there. <laughs> so she decided that she was going to give up then, and he told her to come out and bring her, her rifles out and lay them down. And so she brought a BB gun out in her twenty two, laid them down, and then he told her to get all ammunition which didn't make much sense to me no. so she had to go in the house and find all them boxes and bring him out and then she come out and laid down two SWAT guys took her in with, with you know she didn't resist no but it, you know all said and done she had saw, shot over 350 rounds she had injured uh, nine children and the two adults eventually died yeah that so, was the principal burton rag and the custodian sukar yeah. custodian yeah both, yeah both of those guys died Mm-hmm. So, and then the the police officer, he had to retire because of from his injuries. injuries yeah. yeah. So he had just got out of academy and just started, and then that was his last day. Yeah. So that was pretty, that was pretty bad. Yeah. But luckily, I mean, no kids died in this, but it's still it's still a tragedy. Yeah, I don't really think. I really uh, I don't know. I know it's bad, and I know she was shooting kids, but I really don't think she was trying to kill none of the kids. I mean, you know, she made a comment about the. Uh, the custodian, you know, that he was always out there telling them kids what to do, and he didn't like. She didn't like the way he was talking to them, I guess. And she probably saw it all the time because she went to school there, you know, up until seventy four. Yeah. So this is only five years later. So, so she knew what was going on there. Yeah, and you know, so um, she had always said, you know, she didn't like the way people were, you know, because you know, she didn't like her. Said her dad always cussed her, and people, and she didn't. Basically, she didn't like nobody's what she said, you know. So. I don't know if she's like acting like she was taken up for him, but she's shooting him anyway. But I don't know. Like I think she was shooting to kill the adults, but I don't really think she was wanting to kill no kids. Man, now she did say that she liked um, she would shoot the kids and watch them wiggle on the ground. Well, yeah, yeah. Now I don't yeah. say she didn't shoot them on purpose, but I don't think she was trying to kill them. Yeah, but she could. I think she could have killed them if she wanted to. Oh yeah, I do too. Plenty of them. Yeah. Because, I mean, they just was fresh batch just keep coming out of the cars. Or, you know, people dropping them off and leaving, don't know what's going on. All right, now Brenda was tried as an adult and pled guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah, she, um, you know, she was going to go to trial and they were going to try her as an adult, but her lawyer basically is like, they knew they was going to get the max and the max is going to be um, um, life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So yeah. he talked her into let's go ahead and plead guilty at least they'll give you you know you know and i think then she was just sentenced to 25 years to life but there's a chance for chance parole, for parole yeah. right and like i said she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison and in prison brenda was diagnosed as an epileptic and she would receive medication to treat epilepsy yeah, and, and, and depression. Right, and see that that epilepsy thing that was like a what was it called a frontal lobe, and that was from that that bicycle wreck. Yeah, they, or they at least did, that's what they think it was from. They determined that to be from the bicycle wreck. Yeah, so she had like a a, a brain damage, I guess you would say. Yeah, from that from that wreck. And they say that 
that frontal lobe epilepsy will cause you your your executive thinking is what they call it to you know make good decisions and uh, right from wrong and um, it's kind of like uh, Ramirez when the dresser fell on him, hit him in the head. Yeah, kind of. Because he started giving him, you know, seizures and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it could have been. So, it could have been something similar. Could have been. Very interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Now, under the terms of her indeterminate sentence in 1993, Brenda, she became eligible for hearings to consider her suitable for parole. She has been unsuccessful for four border parole hearings. Yeah. And... A very few of these, well, very few of those convicted of any murder obtained parole in California before. Yeah, they, they don't want to let anybody out. Either. Yeah, before 2011. Now, it was at her first uh, border parole hearing. Uh, Brenda said that she had been a user of alcohol and drugs at the time of the crime and that the test shown that she didn't have any drugs in her system when she was taken into custody. You know, right. Now, wasn't the, at the first ones when she said she didn't even really remember the shooting? Yeah. So... That's why she tried to say she was on all these drugs and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then it's like, wait a minute, you did, you tested negative, so I don't think you're uh, trying to pull one on us here. And then there was at another hearing in 2001, uh, Brenda said that her father had, had beat and sexually abused her. Right. And it was even reported by her mother that, you know, when they lived in that home, they were pretty much sleeping on the floor on a mattress on the floor, really. Yeah. And that Brenda and her father slept together. Well, they said, you know, they said that it was a three-bedroom house, so they figured the other, the older two kids had their own room, and then her and her dad was in the same bedroom. But then they said, you know, so possibly it was just the same bedroom. But then it was also reported that their bed was just a mattress on the floor. So, And I'd even heard there was a mattress in the living room. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. At this point, we don't really know. All we're getting is her version. Yeah, this is this is later stuff coming out at parole hearings yeah and in at this time i think her dad did deny all this this stuff in 2009 the parole board ruled that brenda would be denied parole and would not be considered for the next 10 years and she would become eligible to have another board of parole hearing in 2019 hmm. and did she have one do we know yes she had one and she's denied. still denied yeah right. and what's crazy about this some of the victims these students now are adults and they're they're they show up at these um, hearings and they testify at these hearings about what they went through oh god yeah that'd be awful wouldn't it? yeah and that um yeah one, think about it. it's been 40 years yeah that uh, one uh charles miller the victim you know that was shot through the shoulder and came out that barely missed his heart in the right. front now he he testified at a couple of them then you know he said he every day he has to look in the mirror at that that scar oh yeah yeah it's never, you know, never ending. He's a he's actually a probation officer now. Oh wow! So yeah, he makes sure that you know Brenda stays in prison. He does yeah. what he does to make sure that you know justice is served. Can't blame him. Now, getting to what Brenda said, you know, the day the reporter mm. called her house, you know, when she said, "I don't like Mondays." Yeah, that was a big a big deal. I think they probably played that that over and over and over. Yeah, they probably played on the news and even said it a lot but that got around and and bob geldoff uh he's the lead singer for the boomtown rats he was inspired by the events that happened that day and he wrote a song called i don't like mondays you know if you think about it it's just first time i ever heard it and didn't know about this case i thought it was just like you know something you didn't like mondays <laughs> right and you just want to want to hang at home yeah and shoot the whole day down like everybody else you know? yeah yeah it's uh it was written after her her events that day 
And this song spent four weeks in the UK's number one slot and was also popular in the United States. And um, the local radio station in San Diego refused to play that, play it on the air. Oh, I'm sure. It's yeah. a little touchy there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bob Geldof, you know, he's he's pretty famous to me. I, I knew him more as the guy who played Pink in Pink Floyd's The Wall, the yeah. movie, than I did uh, essentially for the Boomtown Rats. And then later, you know, he was one of the big pushers to, behind uh, Live Aid concerts. Yeah. So for him, you know, this he was a pretty big deal. And this, about this time, I guess, what, The Wall came out in 82? Yeah. Think. So this was right after that. So, so yeah, right in those years, he was a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah. Now, Dale, there is a plaque and a flagpole. They were erected at the Grover Cleveland Elementary in memory of the shooting victims. But this school closed in 1983, and along with another dozen other schools around the city that was, I guess, due to declining enrollment. Right. Yeah, I saw that plaque online, but I saw one where it was in, like, uh, not in the ground, but on the ground, and another photo of it on, a, like, a little brick yeah. pole. So I wonder, is it still there? It's probably, I, I assume it's still there. It's a neighborhood now. There's there's houses there. Yeah, lots of houses. Yeah. So I was wondering, that's wondering if it's still there, if, if when they built a the neighborhood, they took it out and put it somewhere else. Yep. And later on, the school was uh, leased to other charter and private schools. And from 2005 to 2017, uh, the old Grover Cleveland School housed the Magnolia Science Academy. It was a public charter middle school. Right. And it served students grade six to eight so and then well, i guess after 2017 it was all it was sold and well, i guess it was demolished and housing put yep. in there yep yeah so now if you look up on google earth you cannot see the school no nope. because i would try to look today to see how how far it was Dale, in 2005 a san diego district deputy attorney cited an incident of self-harm from four years earlier when spencer's girlfriend was released from from jail as showing that uh, Brenda was psychotic and unfit to be released. Hmm. And this self-harm is commonly reported as scratching the words courage and pride into her own skin. And But Spencer corrected this during her parole hearing and, and you know, saying that it reads unforgiven and alone. And it was written in runes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that clip. Yeah. But hmm, who knows? Yeah. And just to clarify again, you know, in 2009, the board again refused her application for parole and, and ruled it it would be 10 years before she would be considered again. She's eligible for a parole suitability hearing in September of 2021. Yep. And I have uh, seen uh, articles and stuff that her lawyers now are pretty confident she may have a chance to get out this time. But as of February of 2021, no. yep, she remains in prison at the California Institute for Women. Hmm. That is uh, Brenda Ann Spencer in a female mass school mass shooter. The first female. Yep, first female mass shooter. Well, you know, I guess she wanted to be famous. Yeah, she got it. I just wonder if she ever got that Burger King meal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I do wonder about that. Yeah. But you yeah, yeah, always wondered if, I, if she ever got that Burger King meal. And, you know, at least she could ask for cheese. You know, she's going to give up. She got to got whopper with cheese yeah but there are a lot of youtube videos on this and a lot of youtube clips from the time showing her arrest and different things so it's pretty interesting to watch pretty wild being stuff, the man. being the first female school shooter you know it was kind of funny that uh 
later uh, Geldof mentioned it. Spencer actually wrote him saying, you know, she was glad that he had done it because it made her famous. And he said, you know, that's not really a good thing to live with. That's it. It's like, wow. You know, he has to think about it every once in a while. Right. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yep. All right, Dale. We are going to get out of here. All right, man. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The The Crack Crack House House Chronicles. Chronicles.